Hey guys, welcome to the re-release episode of my lovely friend and colleague Deborah Baker Jr. Uh, We are re-releasing her episode in honor of Stand Against Evil premiering this week and also because I am in Tucson um, doing some some family stuff uh, that needed to happen. So I unfortunately didn't have time to record an episode this week, but it is for good reason. And uh, I hope everyone's doing great. Uh, Enjoy the episode uh, again, if you did already. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Now entering Nerdist.com. So you better pick that up. You better pick that up. Put it right in front of your face. Hold it right up. What is this? Oh, that's a pen. Oh my god, this is just in time. Yeah. Oh, Deborah gave me um, uh, a pin that I admired and uh, loved very much, which so I is went out and I got it right, right a, for her. A poodle wearing um, a cute French outfit. Yeah, it's a French poodle with it's a French, French beret. French poodle with a French beret. I think I told you. Did I tell you the actual words that are the? That's the most joy I think I've ever gotten on a set, which was. This is working on mutton stuff. Whereas listeners who listen to the Sam Levine episode know, I we recorded in my trailer uh, at Mutton Stuff um, when he and I were both doing the Halloween episode. But uh, they, it's a bunch of dogs all dressed up in costumes, and it is a very very efficient set because it has to be because it has children, puppets, and dogs. Yep. And Dream. in the most serious uh, voice, one day the the first AD was like, "Who's got eyes on the doodles?" And I was like, this is my dream. <laughs> I'm living in a world where you must have eyes on the doodles immediately because the doodles are needed to shoot something. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Oh, oh what a dream job. Yeah. yeah. What a dream job. So now every time I see anything approximating a poodle, it could be a labradoodle, it could be a poodle, it could be a labrador. I, I immediately am like, who's got eyes on the doodles? <laughs> Urgently. Um, yeah. Well, I, I got to get you on that show. Please. Thank you so please. much for this pin. I cannot wait. I'm going to see if I can somehow incorporate it into my outfit this time. This time I understand that I am, and I don't, this may be a real spoiler, but I think I might work on a boat this time instead of a plane. I mean, I think they should have you on all modes of transportation. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I think that's the plan. I mean, they're, they're going to go through everything. everything like, and the least gonna expensive be like, Janet set. on a bike. Janet yeah. on a bike. You'll <laughs> 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 just be like pulling all Janet of them. Janet <laughs> is a hell's angel. Janet is a hell's angel. Wonderful. Um, this is very long overdue. Um, that's okay. We didn't do it in the summer because for some mm-hmm. reason I was unwilling to hold, to record it and hold it until after Boys of Summer. Which so is So we just recorded fine. Nate. But you were my I was Andy in the Richter. corner. I was in the corner with uh, Nate. So Nate's. I kind of feel like we've already done this. And basically like everything that happened during the recording of Nate, I wish that, I kind of wish that it was a video podcast because <laughs> we would have a 
an, 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 a never-ending eternal recording of what happens every time you and I are in a room with Nate, which is that when Nate is saying something, we're actually spending more time looking at each other, <laughs> smiling and nodding, going, he's just the, the whole exchange is nonverbal, but it's like, he's the best. Yeah, it really, yeah, best. I turn into a puddle. You turn I mean, into I, a I puddle. I immediately like smile and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need a fainting couch, you guys. Right. Yeah. He's such a joy he's such a joy <sighs> so we obviously met on the set we met like the day before we started shooting mm-hmm. and we shot before we shot <laughs> we shot before we, we shot yeah. we shot our weapons yeah you came with me that was immediately a great sign and was that this but that was the even i the day the the moment i met you was when you came into the hair and makeup trailer and we both were kind of getting our, our once over by our hair and makeup ladies right right because you came in as a blonde and you came in as a blonde and then we you had found out basically within that day they were like go ahead and dye your hair brown yep <laughs> so many so new I've things seen, so many new things happened to me in georgia yeah so but i do feel lucky that i got to see I, i'm glad that because that was a big part of who you were before we met and so there's something for me that's satisfying about having snuck in and seen and met you in person as a blonde before brunette because otherwise i would be this person who's like i mean i've never even seen you in person as a blonde right but i have so many people They're believe that i would look horrible as a blonde wow. I, I spent the whole nate and i flew together to atlanta we sat right next to each other that's and i right. talked to Ziroff the whole time because mm-hmm. i instantly fell in love with him and um i was a blonde the whole time so when he saw me the next time as a brunette i don't think he was like oh whoa 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 yeah like, yeah it's a it's, it's a it's, it's a big difference i guess it's a big difference whenever anybody does but it's it was a it was a big difference when you do it mm-hmm. i think it looks so great hey thanks uh hey thanks <laughs> now let me ask you this i recognize and acknowledge and i do not in any way mean to downplay your love of nate i really don't that's <laughs> all right but are you the and you know i'm gonna ask this is but are you the kind of person who likes to fall in love with people do you know what i mean are you the kind of person that also is like i see the best in most people and i would rather feel because that's sort of how i feel i would i'm hoping to feel the very best about everyone of and course. that doesn't happen but you know yeah. it feels great to feel that way do you know yeah. what i mean i don't i definitely yes a hundred percent i i you're very I good at want. loving the people that you love and so oh, that's why i'm yes. wondering i yeah, I think I think I do. I think it's I, I want absolute. I think the best. Someone the other day was like talking about how horrible a certain person who's running for president is, and I, I was like, and they were like, I just hope they get shot. And I was like, they're in deep inside me somewhere. I'm like, but they're still a human. Uh, yeah. Even like, uh, maybe people are going to really hate me for saying this, but like, even when like Osama bin Laden like got killed and shot what a horrible horrible human he became right but like he was a baby once i know like i know uh, like i always think like maybe one day <laughs> yeah <laughs> they'll turn around <laughs> yeah so i do i i wish the best i mean um, do i think i do not love those people i don't i'm you know i'm a human i have feelings i know yeah. they're terrible terrible human beings but like yeah, I do wish the best out of everybody. I keep rooting for them, yeah. even if they are a monster. Yeah, I don't think I had a moment of... Um, I can't say that... I mean, I don't want... And I, and I, and I don't want to tout us as being like above it all. No. Because, I've, because I have just recently said... I think I even said it with Kirsten on our last episode that I feel 100% capable of murdering someone. Sure. <laughs> like in a situation where everything like i know i'm capable of making bad spur of the moment choices Mm -hmm. i was just walking in the neighborhood in the late evening 
the other day and I was carrying a stick because we had the dogs with us and there were a lot of coyotes out. And I was like, you know what? This isn't going to be an issue, but I just would feel better. It's just the feel better thing, which, yeah. by the way, is not that far away from carrying a gun. <laughs> like, yeah. I understand that differently now. <laughs> but I was like, if I just have this stick, I'm going to feel safer. Yeah. I'm going to feel like I can protect my family better. And all of that was going on in my mind. I was like, oh, this is a revelation. Interesting. Because I don't really have that. I, I, you know, I'd never shot a gun going back to us shooting together. <laughs> and I was so sick to my stomach about it, kind of, but also like really excited and all of us having all those complicated feelings. And then, so I'm, I'm dealing with just the feeling of like, God, I really want to carry this big stick, President Roosevelt, uh, and not speak softly. I also wanted to yell so the coyotes would be afraid of my size and loudness. But, um, but I, I, I then, so then we were walking up the hill and this car just came screaming around a corner and like zipped like hot rotting down the hill and we could have been hit and everything in me wanted to hurl that stick at like the back windshield like just break something hurt someone and it really took a lot for me to not do that like the stick was like leaving my hand and I was like wait wait what does everything I know about crime taught me? The other person could have a gun. The other person could have a gun. Like, don't, this is what my, you know, the, the handful of people I know who are in law enforcement or like DAs or whatever have always been like, it's never worth it. People are crazier than you are. And if totally. you want to do that and they have this, they can escalate it and you can die and it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And so I taught myself, but feeling all those feelings all at once, I, it just reinforced that I have it in me. But yeah. that said, I felt real weird when Osama bin Laden was killed. I felt real weird when Saddam Hussein was killed. Like, I'm not saying that I was like, I feel bad. I'm going to miss those guys. But I was like, this doesn't feel good. All it does is remind me of the heinous, horrible acts that have been committed by people like that. But it also makes me, it also made me uncomfortable. And all of that also reinforces like, thank God I'm not in a decision making position. Yeah. I believe that, you know, men and women are equally capable of making those decisions because to get to the point where you're responsible for those things you're a very different kind of person than I am I don't think it has to do with my gender but I definitely don't feel like I could make that kind of decision yeah you know no I mean obviously though they were like also psychopaths so there's like a lot of chemical imbalances going on there and like just like power whatever but I mean oh wouldn't that be horrible if I like turned out to be like one of those people yeah (laughs) wouldn't it would I want me to die? I don't, I this is want hard. me to die. <laughs> it's tough, man. Like, I don't like. I just I, don't know what to do in that situation. Just, it's not like I'm like, well, guys, I have the answer. Don't worry. Chemical no. castration or life imprisonment yeah. or like I'm not saying that's better or more. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's more humane really, than just ki- killing yeah. someone. I don't really know, but I, I don't want to make those decisions not knowing at the same time. You know what I mean? Unless I feel sure. Yeah, my mom always had a really good um, like plan. She was like, we should just ship them. Out to space. <laughs> That's how we get our space prison colonies. Yes. It's so simple. Yeah. Space Australia. Yeah. Look, it, Australia turned out fine. Australia. What a wonderful, yeah. charming yeah, country. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Just, is that, is that ship, something? Just ship them out there. <laughs> <laughs> is that the kind of thing that she would have strong opinions about when you were growing up? Like Ooh, she yeah. would, so she would Ooh, share yeah. her points of view liberally we with you, with your family. We weren't even allowed to have like water guns in the house. Yeah. Guns were not toys. And then I went and married a Marine. That's right. <laughs> Good for you. 
get them. There's Show so many em. guns in my house. Yeah. Um, I don't touch any of them. Um, yeah. Is your dad like that too? Or was your mom more the loud voice of opinions and stuff oh, like my that? Mom, like when my mom and dad are in a room, my dad just like kind of sits back. Um, but then if you get my dad by himself, what a goon. Uh-huh. Like he's such a goon. Um, my dad loves it. He's like a party animal. Um, yeah. But my mom always had like the stronger opinions. And I would talk to my dad like when my mom's not around. Yeah. <laughs> Pushing the conversation yeah, like, her okay, way. Listen, now I got you. Let me get to the yeah. bottom of this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and your parents are still together. They are. Tell us uh, how many siblings you have. I forget with people whose in- stories I know that I need to make sure that everyone else does too. Um, I have one sister, one brother, and then I have um, another Let's call her my sister. Because um, you do. Because I do. Um, who I'm not related to by blood, but is part of our family. So I have two sisters and a brother. And both my sisters are happily married. And one of my sisters has two beautiful girls. Um, so I'm an aunt. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, where did you grow up? Boston. I grew up in Boston. Mm-hmm, I was born mm-hmm. in Baltimore. And then I grew up in Boston. Um, and in then, Boston proper? Mm-mm. No. Um, in Wellesley. Okay. And then is that where a girl a college named Wellesley is? Yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Great. My grandmother <laughs> that checks went out. There. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, that's but like, like a, way later in life. I'm sorry. Where did Mona Lisa smile take place? Wellesley. It did. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Because I know that there are some different goals. Check schools, me on that, sure. but I'm hundred. Yeah. Feel like it's Wellesley. <laughs> yeah. That's why I asked because I thought if not if it's not that then that's what I think of when I yeah. think of things like that the sort of yeah dead poet society for my boarding school was exactly schools. like that it was mm-hmm. I went to all girls boarding school in Virginia and it was very much like Mona Lisa's when did you start going to boarding school how old were you um freshman year okay yeah that's an early time totally to go it's away an East Coast thing though like yeah it is an east coast thing um most people go to prep school yeah freshman year yeah and like go away wait when you say most people I mean, like my circle. (laughs) When my circle growing up, most people went. Right, right, right. (laughs) Not most people. Thank you, Janet. (laughs) I'm just bringing that up because I grew up a real big walk and (laughs) clearly have no pulse on what's actually. (laughs) I was like, who is filling up all those public schools? (laughs) Oh yes. Um, Yeah. Your peer group. Most of your peer group went. Mm -hmm. Did you have a lot of friends go to the same school, or was that a real like was that a scary thing to have your friends up till eighth grade that then everybody kind of shipped out and went somewhere else um i no that wasn't ever a thing you know we moved down to florida when i was in third grade and um we had a house down there my parents were like you know let's go be those um snowbirds but with children Uh (laughs) um we moved to florida this tiny little barrier island which i adore um called boca grand and um it's on the gulf side tiny it's like a half a mile wide and a mile long or something is it near boca raton Mm -mm, other side oh okay other side the other boca i see Um, i see the other boca (laughs) yeah um and so I was down there from like third grade to eighth grade and I bounced to two different schools hmm. there. And so I, and the school that I did go to from um, sixth grade to eighth grade was over an hour and a half away in Sarasota. So it was, I don't know. I was always, You didn't have I that was, attachment to school of like, guys, no, this is it. our school. Yeah, like, what yeah, are we going to no. do? We're, you know, we're not, we're, we're not going to see each other. You were ready. I, I, oh, I was um, yeah. always really awkward, always 
bullied. It was horrible. I hated school. Plus, on top of that, I was dyslexic. So school wasn't like fun right <laughs> in any aspect it wasn't like i'll just hang out with my friends yeah <laughs> i didn't have like a any stressful a stressful <laughs> um how, when were you diagnosed like how, really really early which actually. is great it's really great um my dad runs the dyslexia foundation so he's dyslexic my grandmother's dyslexic um is that something that tends to be genetic i guess i is. don't know how mm-hmm. that works it is yeah. genetic and have they identified parts of i'm sorry to be so no, ignorant about no, it no that's it's, okay. I, I feel like i have i think we all have a working understanding of it in a way that we don't necessarily rarer things but when i really think about it i don't know about the way it works the way i know about like fragile x or auto, like certain mm-hmm. forms of mm-hmm. you know it's such a i'm uh, <laughs> for my dad running this foundation my sister is really the one to like talk to about this because she like helps him and is so smart and doesn't have dyslexia <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um but uh it's such a there's no two dyslexics that are the same mm-hmm. so they're beautiful snowflakes we are beautiful beautiful snowflakes yeah so that 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 makes it hard so exactly what you just said mm-hmm. that, that of course mm-hmm. of course it's hard to like pinpoint because some dyslexics really excel in sciences where other dyslexics i would say most dyslexics um excel in the arts because mm-hmm. it's the other side of things and expressing yourself um almost all dyslexics have trouble reading if have can't read um me particularly it's trouble reading trouble writing math woof and um <laughs> when i get really you know frustrated the words are there yeah but i can't get them out yeah so yeah. i'll either stutter or yeah. i'll invert my words or mm-hmm. i'll say the i'll say one thing but unless you really know me you would be like wait what or like right i know what you meant right right <laughs> like, so often I am constantly like hyper, I'm hyper hypersensitive, especially around new people or in the work environment, especially my work environment. Um, I'm always like, oh my god, just like take it slow, don't come off dumb, <laughs> just because yeah. it does. It comes off really like either you're very ignorant or not educated because you you will misspeak and it's right. like no that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant to say. Sure, now I feel like such an asshole. <laughs> sure, sure. What um. Did you stutter when you were a kid? Did you have anything that that manifested itself in a with regularity in that way that was noticeable to other kids other than just your schoolwork or your <clears throat> No, I was like when I was little, especially because my dad's foundation, we traveled the world and we were constantly with different researchers and and meeting all these really fancy pants people. Um I, I I had no trouble. It wasn't until I was in school and started reading and having to actually do you know the letters and things like that that i even knew that i was like any any different or Mm -hmm. um, a different learning style um but my parents were really good about like picking up on it really fast and i had tutors my entire school career um and it was just knowing they taught me early on like if you don't understand something you raise your hand and say excuse me can you explain it a different way yeah because typical brains understand things like to get to the solution go a b c where a dyslexic brain might have to go a f g c to get there right. you know like you just it's yeah. a different path it's a different way of seeing things or maybe just doing it backwards um so yeah it was a lot of like can you just explain that differently i really <laughs> well, don't did, get it yeah yeah did you have 
is there did you have things that you be, that kind of became staples for you of like well this is how i approach memorizing a script or this is how i would have to approach this thing like these are the tools that i kind of built for myself because everyone's different every dyslexic is different so there are certain maybe guide like you know suggestions or guidelines or like oh this is a this is sort of a method that works for um, someone that I know and I was able to kind of adapt it and my approach is this or is it as simple as you know you just have to take it slow and be patient you I for me personally I don't know for other people um, I just had to take it slow and be patient and also just be like as, as soon as that little voice in my head is like this is too hard this is like overwhelming I'm done so it was you absolutely can do this you are gonna get it just do it <laughs> yeah and yeah I mean it's definitely a, something I had to work really hard on memorization but I am a champ when it comes to cold reading now it's yeah you just, are it's just it, well, it I is remember if you don't mind my saying you were a little nervous about plan nine and you were so terrific and wonderful <laughs> no but like you, but here's what I'm say this is what we all do anybody who has a thing that they feel sets them apart in some way in a negative way we do the same thing that anyone else would do, but we ascribe it to their our thing. So, like, I flubbed a couple of lines, and I didn't think twice about it because I'm not dyslexic. So I was just like, that's life. But you might go, well, that's probably because blank. Sure. And same thing with me or, like, friends of mine who have had, you know, histories with mental illness. Like, somebody will be like, I'm obsessing over the fact that my girlfriend cheated on me. And I'll be like, hey, don't worry everyone obsesses about that For after sure. it happens like that's not you think that's a you thing because you're you know putting it into the category of i'm not this isn't okay i'm scared i don't like this feeling but like that's a human thing yeah and that's a nice thing to kind of get be able to check in with it was like maybe this is just what happens to everybody yeah. it might happen to me more often but also it's just like a thing that happens sometimes you know yeah I definitely have gotten way better at, at it, it not letting it affect the work but yeah. um yeah, that's that, that. I mean, that's my only my only advice. <laughs> well, what about in high school when you went away to school? Um, did you know? Did you know going in when you went away to boarding school that you would have tutors there? Or by then, were you sort of like, I got this? No, I did. I had I, I had tutors there as well. Um, my my parents were really straightforward, and with the school, and you know. I got a language waiver and they, you know, they were like, you know, she has a learning difference and she's going to have to go to the lab and, you know, with the extra help with the teachers mm-hmm. and a, things like that. Does so. a language waiver mean you didn't have to take a, lang- a foreign mm-hmm. language because that's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kryptonite? Yes. Yeah. I can understand it's, that. It's great if I'm in a room and someone's talking to me, I'll probably pick it up a little bit faster. And when I was little, um, I picked up very fast. As soon as I try to read it or you, you you do it slow. I can do accents like that. Mm-hmm. I can do if you talk to me and we. I can I can get it. But it was looking at the words and then trying to read the words in a different language. It, like I can't do it in English. Yeah. So, <laughs> like like yeah. let's not even get into yeah. like all the rest that's of it. Hard. Yeah. Man. It, that's because I took two different languages and I still feel like oh when I think about just having to sit and write and it, it's just a whole different thing it's like it, it so much about knowing like l- learning a written language like french was more like math to me than any other mm-hmm. creative arts or you know what it, it, it was, you know language sciences that sort of thing 
that was it was much more it was because it became this sort of technical formula thing that my brain would just sort of go no yeah <laughs> this isn't gonna stick yeah you know 100 <laughs> percent. yeah oh yeah but i was so fortunate because my class at foxcroft was only i think we graduated with 25 girls yeah what a great ratio did you wear uniforms and stuff no mm-mm. it was just dress code um, some days we wore the Foxcroft uniform for like, what's a dress code? What was the dress code? Uh, khaki or black pants or mm-hmm, skirt mm-hmm. and a collared or button down shirt. Understood. understood. Uh, could be belted in or out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, did you have my other people who've done the podcast definitely had the experience of like finding ways to be very creative and expressive within those confines, kind of like, you know, writing a sonnet with certain words or whatever. And then other people say like, it just made no one care about what they wore. So we were focusing on other things. Yeah, I mean, it was an all-girls boarding school, so it wasn't like, we definitely had our own <clears throat> flair within J.Crew. Um, <laughs> it was like a Work it. I've seen those catalogs, listen, they really know how to make them stylish. Um, uh, but yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't as a big deal. And, it, and being dyslexic, I felt so fortunate that I didn't feel like an idiot raising my hand asking a question in a class because you know joe schmo over here like oh he might be looking at me and think i'm an idiot um yeah yeah it uh, i feel very fortunate and it was of all my schooling which was for the most part really painful and horrible foxcroft those four years were some of the best four years of my life and those are my closest closest friends and to this day is like the most magical like special place to me and if you ask any foxcroft girl which is like really crazy because i've come across we all wear the same ring and i wear this ring like every day um someone the other day was like are you wearing that ring in the show and i was like "Mm -hmm, i am oh wow (laughs) Um, i didn't know that that was your foxcroft ring it's the same ring that's been around for over 100 years so every single foxcroft girl has the same one i'm envious of that i Um, wish that i had that relationship too because i I I liked school enough. The the kids I had problems with, and not all the teachers were amazing, but actually I really felt very trapped in school most of the time. But I liked the idea of being moved and inspired in school because when I would latch on to a subject that made me passionate, it was like incredibly exciting and so cool. And I think I would have really loved that because that is such a specific age where you're still quite young to be mm-hmm. living away from home to create that feeling of community and to create that sisterhood, um, that really sounds, it does sound magical to me. Yeah, and unlike some boarding schools where it's very like cookie cutter and like filtered right into all the Ivies, um, the headmistress head, <laughs> headmistress at the time was very passionate about being like, we're not a cookie cutter school. And each girl here has something unique and special to bring to the table. And we ran the morning meetings and we, we we ran the school and we each were able to find truly what we were passionate about and really focus on that. And it wasn't so much about like standardized testing and things like that. Like in history class, if we really got into this amazing conversation about, I don't know, Genghis Khan or something, our history teacher was so just like jazz that we were interested that he didn't care that we didn't get to the rest of the lesson plan he was like no let's have this conversation because mm-hmm. this is more important mm-hmm. than checking off x y and z boxes and i found that in almost all my classes um that they really catered to the students and 
I don't, they were just jazzed about like the kids there and yeah. really like, what are you guys interested in? Like, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's keep do you it. excited about the and, learning process. Oh my and God. And th- there were so many things for us. Like we all played sports and, and there was music and there was art and there's so much art. Um, and it's a huge horseback riding school. I didn't ride horses, but I was, you know, on the stage. But uh, it's like the number one horseback riding school in the nation. So uh, there's just so much to do there um, on top of all these amazing traditions that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily academic based. So you can still thrive and not feel like you're drowning there just because you're not doing well in school. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you can do well in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was so cool. Were there um, like scholarship kids that mm-hmm. would go there? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's such mm-hmm. a, such a small class. I was wondering like how much of that could have been accommodated with like needing just to have the my expenses cl- at the school met. Yeah, know? my class was particularly small. My sister was a freshman when I was a senior, and she I think had like forty five girls. Um, but all girls schools, especially like prep schools, are you know a dying thing because yeah. most prep schools the money the husband gives the money to his school yeah. not the wife's school yeah so it's <laughs> you know even like- <laughs> within the sort of waspy to use yep. your term uh, like world a- that like i can't even like the, like you have to know that first of all you are so grounded and so generous and so humble and so sweet and so down to earth and so 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 um involved in you know, sort of the every person that and and I know some of what you've done for a living and all that kind of stuff and I just don't feel you take anything for granted so that's not like that but it, you know that like for me <laughs> the idea like just hearing the husband gives his mm-hmm. money to his mm-hmm. school I think about my dad in his school teacher salary and like me being given like my three thousand dollars for college yeah. like hey you know whatever it was like good thing you got a full ride buddy it's yeah. like it's so amazing to imagine I mean, you know that is sort of a fairy tale world to me you know it's, it's a dying world too like I I, it, uh, I mean Thank goodness I had parents who there was so much more to life than any of that sort of cookie cutter world. Um, I mean, they let me go to acting school. They didn't care that I went to a a conventional college. They were like, no, this is what you really want to do. It's what you've always wanted to do. Like, go do it. You're great at it. So. Whereas, like, you know, their brothers and sisters are like, oh, but what's her backup plan? Right, what's, right. Was mm, she ever going to really go to college? Like, who, how, who's she going to meet out there? Like, right. And my parents are like, no, she's great. This is what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my mom didn't grow up in that world. And my dad did. So I think. And know, where's your mom from? She's from, um, she's from Wellesley, which is very, like, hoity-toity now. But, like, when she grew up, um. It w- I mean, it was still, like, a pretty nice town to live in outside Boston. Um, but was- culturally, she comes from a totally different background, doesn't she? She does. My mom's Lebanese. Mm. Um, but they they weren't really ra- – like, they were raised in the Catholic Church. Like, gotcha. Boston, Catholic, gotcha, gotcha. you know, whatever. My grandmother yeah. um, was a very prim and proper Catholic woman. Um, but was also very Lebanese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so – she loved the hummus. Yeah. Uh, were you religious when you were in uh, when you were a teenager? Did you have a, like a no. relationship to God or anything? Mm, 
a, uh, a god, I should say. Spiritually, yeah. But my parents, um, when we moved to Florida, we'd never gone to church. My parents were just like not into, into that um, because I think they were both raised pretty religiously. Not my dad's side, but my mom, definitely. My dad's side just went to church because that's just what you did. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then and your G&Ts. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sunday, um, baby. Sunday worship. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to to church with a classmate one day and I came home and I was like, mom, like, I think I was like, did you know flamingos were made on day seven? (laughs) And my mom was like, okay. (laughs) So she ran the Sunday school at this Episcopalian church that was like all old people. And then us. And, um, she was like, and she made it very clear. She was like, I don't care what you believe in. This is a religion that I want you to know about, mm-hmm. and you get to choose what you believe in. Nice. So take it or leave it. And she was very, very clear on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all, all three of us are are spiritual, but not necessarily religious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what about um, boys? How do they factor in when you're uh, at boarding school, when you're a, a, a adorable dyslexic boarding school attendee for some of the year and then you come home during the breaks? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah. Did you have boy, any boyfriends? Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I would have, so there was an all boys boarding school. Um, Got to be. Listen, again, like I couple. have seen Mona Lisa smile. Um, I have yeah. seen Dead Poets Society. They, uh, it sounds so gross, but like we would get in buses and they would ship us over there or they would get in buses and ship us over to, to our campus and we would have mixers on the weekends at different schools and we'd all get dressed up and they'd put in all these like hot, sweaty teenagers and like a room to dance. <laughs> like, mingle, mingle. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, if that counts as a boyfriend of like talking on the phone late at night, sure. We didn't have cell phones when I was at boarding school, so we all had these um, pay phones in all of the dorms. <laughs> Spent some long times in those pay phone booths. Uh-huh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if that counts as a boyfriend, seeing them and talking to them, then yeah, that's what I had. And then there were like there were some boys on my vacation time, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> only only uh, a couple times a year. Yeah. Well, like there's got to be a different relationship to like, you know, the, the the get like getting interested in someone on vacation when you have this finite amount of time before you know you're going to be in a totally different location for the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. It's very different than like, you know. And then we went back to school again in the same place and continued to date or you know, sure, whatever. Yeah, because I had. <laughs> So I feel like I'm coming across this as like this like really spoiled rich uh, waspy kid. But so in the, I went to boarding school and then I had my home in Florida where uh-huh. I would go to, um, uh, you know, for Christmas and Thanksgiving and spring break. And then on the summers, we went back up to Boston oh, to the summer right. home. So that's I had, right. you know, my uh, my summer flings. And then sometimes for a month I was out in California to, at tennis camp where the heavy romance would happen. Oh, yeah? My, uh, California dreaming? Oh, yeah. I, oh. I, I hate Ooh. myself for saying that. Ooh. Tennis camp. What, what was different about that? What made that so extra sexy? Um, well, first of all, we all had to wear tennis whites at all times. So. Fair enough. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was just like summer camp, so it's like, you know, 
summer romances. I didn't. There were none. There were none to be had for DBJ. But man, oh man, did I crush hard. <laughs> um, that does seem like a good place. Where was that? Where, where in California? Um, in Carmel Valley. Okay. John Gardner's beautiful. Tennis Ranch. Beautiful, beautiful. That's, listen, that's sand, you guys. That's sand in the Carmel area. Ooh. So pretty. Beautiful. And the water's so green mm-hmm. slash blue. It's really nice. That that's but like that's how I first fell in love with California was that I used to come out here in the summer times. Yeah, just like oh, I think this is the place for me. Yeah, no kidding. Did you feel and you felt that you sort of felt that in your bones? Like this is about this. Like my parents' friends that I would stay with before I would go to summer camp were always just so way more laid back. Like I got to call them Tom and Wendy. I didn't have to call them Mister and yeah. Mrs. Where on the East Coast there was no first name basis on them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I was like ooh, they're groovy, and you know they were. Just so much more laid back. Um, I was like, I think this is a little bit more my speed. <laughs> it's almost like what has just happened to me now. I love that I can't. <laughs> I can't just. I have to like put it into a context of a movie or a book. Now what I've moved on to is you are both the two real Haley Millses. You could go Lindsay Lohan if you want, but I prefer to go with the original Let's Parent go Trap. Haley, Haley Mills. Thank the two you. Haley Millses have merged back into the single Haley Mills that they always were, and you are having that sort of like upper crust East Coast experience. And then the dad's ranch house, even though it's your friend, it's your family <laughs> friends. Ranch house is like where you really let your hair down, and like yeah. that's where the ladies actually wear like capris and like a, a white shirt crisp white shirt but it's like tied at the waist where sure. over there the woman would still be wearing it and also you grew up in the early 50s yes. <laughs> in my mind yeah i feel like i did too I guess all of the things i'm talking about are all set in like the more innocent time too where you only went to wellesley to get a husband like i i can't yeah. think of a single thing i've seen that's a contemporary version of that so i have now jettisoned you into the deep past well, I guess it's sort of a recent past, but I, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I, I was <laughs> living in those times anyway. So that's fine. That's that's valid. Yeah, um, I wish that I had. I wish that my version, like I wish that my experience of being in Arizona was the kind of cinematic expectation equivalent of that, and I could be like, well, as you know, I grew up on a ranch in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> where I looped and lassoed cattle uh, for the summers because we did have rodeo vacation and I have five cowboy hats and I also am a drug mule that I go <laughs> over the border into Nogales. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like I, I, I stay grounded throughout it all, though. Like, I have you no know, doubt of that. Like, my mom was really adamant about us all having a really strong work ethic, and she made us work at a very young age and, like, babysit and be responsible. And- so I think some parents, especially if there's any part of them that has any kind of um, – and it certainly has nothing to do with – well, it, it doesn't have to have anything to do with race, but it can have to do with class. If there's any kind of a class greed – I mean, uh, uh, like, a, like a concern of seeming greedy and, and having guilt about that, like that there's – that. Like, I didn't have to have a job. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have to have a job until I needed a job when I was in college. Um, but there's sort of a pushback against that that's like, oh, no, you're going to fucking be in the work. real world, kid. Yeah. When I moved to L.A., um, that, you know, my parents definitely helped me out, but they were, you have to get a job. Like, we're not helping you unless you yeah. get a job. And so I waited tables. I waited tables yeah. and babysat and bartended and, yeah. 
And you worked with um, kids with Down syndrome too, I think, didn't you? I did. After I got burnt out uh, waiting tables and uh, doing all of that, I decided, <clears throat> what else could I be doing in this town <laughs> that could be a little bit more fulfilling? Um, and a couple of my buddies uh, were working at the Special Needs Early Intervention Program, and they loved having actors because they were like incredibly enthusiastic, and the kids loved them, and they were like, just come and like see if you dig it. And... Um, 18 months to three-year-old kids and I would just sit there crisscross applesauce and get to read books and use all my voices and talk to the kids and I feel like I relate to kids really well even though I'm not probably going to have them in my life. Well, I (laughs) I like other people's kids. I feel the same way and I think that's, I mean, that's like the volunteer work that I do or or even just hanging out with my friends' kids. Um, Like, (laughs) there's... There's a I the feeling of guilt I have is when parents or you know parents in these volunteer groups and stuff are like you're just so great with it thank you like th- like that sort of <laughs> pulling you aside and being like thank you for hanging out with August all Thanksgiving she really loved that thank you as if I made a sacrifice when the reality is is like oh no no that's where I wanted to be I'm a child yeah. if I can use that in some positive way to be of a help in any kind of environment great but it ain't like I'm like oh, here I we know. go I gotta read this really awesome book with this kid and use voices and like make them smile that's really sucks no I almost feel bad leaving because I'm like I think I liked that a little bit too much. Like, right. <laughs> I think that was a little bit more for me. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but that that was great. And I worked with kids and at that um, Therapy West, it was an early intervention program um, alongside, you know, therapists and until I just decided to just do, just do babysitting. And then uh, now I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> But I still love all those kids. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. I gotta get you roped into the uh, that one thing that I do sometimes because I think you would really have a good time. I really do too. Yeah, I'm really bummed that I missed the last one. Well, that that's you're working. <laughs> that's that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, it's really okay. Um, are you excited about the elections? You know, this is a mostly political podcast. I'm not sure why I waited forty. <laughs> uh, yes. Um. Um. I am. I, are you nervous? Yeah. I yeah. mean, who isn't nervous? Uh, yeah. It's I'm such a little a, like, nervous. It's so, such a, whew, like the energy out in like, oh, sounds so hippy dippy, but like, it's true. Like everybody is on edge. Like mm-hmm. at work today, everyone's like, okay, well, tomorrow's the day. See you guys all tomorrow. Yeah. And like, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. I was I really worried and and I, and then I. First, and then I listened to two podcasts today, kind of while I was working, um, that I highly recommend to everyone. Their podcast, everyone hears me talk about all the time anyway, which is Radio Lab and This American Life. But This American Life has been doing the most wonderful coverage. Um, this girl, Zoe Chase, who's like my current favorite kind of podcast journalist, she does a bunch of stuff. I think I've brought her up on the podcast before. She has the most adorable, I'm not sure where she's from, but it's like, Minnesota, Michigan, someplace in there. So everything kind of sounds like this. So she's talking about stuff and everyone's name is like Deborah Baker Jr. It's so over the top. (laughs) When you first hear her voice, you're like, oh boy, this is, she sounds like she's doing a character. Like, I'm not sure. And so quickly I was like, oh no, now she's my favorite because she doesn't have any kind of affectation. And she's 
there's something about her that's so human for that reason. And she's clearly like young and interested in people. And I think she is another example of like, I felt really weird about Osama bin Laden getting shot. Like that's sort of what I would imagine her saying also, but she spent so much time, this whole era of what's been going on really digging deep into small communities of people um, and their relationship to the Republican party and being so and like humanizing so many people and really like looking at those rifts that are happening between conservative like religious conservatives who can't who can't fathom how Donald Trump is the candidate to young gay kids who think Donald Trump's awesome and is the answer to you know just everything she can kind of get into and and it's that that thing where you're like I want to know who these people are yeah. she's really made that her goal um, and so they've done this wonderful job with that and they really haven't done much with i think they know their audience and they're like everyone who listens to us probably doesn't know this but does sort of know um a little bit more about like the hillary side but then they just did a really interesting piece on hillary and i still think i mean it's a i don't think it's you know i'm please it's a liberal i'm sure you know they're they're i don't i i wouldn't say that they are you know partisan but I can't imagine that they don't have a sense of who their listeners probably are. And my guess would be if I had to make a guess, which is what I'm doing, that they are largely, you know, educated liberal listeners, um, opposed to educated conservative listeners. That's Mm -hmm. just my guess. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but they did a really interesting, um, story on Hillary and the whole email thing based on like a Politico article, which was based, which was really like, Listen, there's a lot of scandal and there's a lot of stuff that's like real meaty about things she's done that you can question and you can kind of like with anybody, you can go, this will either argue further towards me hating her or it will argue towards me liking her or I will find a way to be okay with it if I like her and I will find a way, you know, but this idea of like the email server thing being like a stumbling, bumbling, bureaucratic short term solution to like the fact that she's a Luddite instead of this big conspiratorial like oh my god she had a private server it's like well the scandal is the woman doesn't know how to use a laptop computer (laughs) which let's talk about that because that's kind of crazy if she's gonna be our president but it's a different kind of scandalous than you know these it just sounds to me like a bunch of you know overworked like people who are just like she can't she won't carry two devices like there's just no forethought and that's again not an excuse at all um and 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 it does not i feel it doesn't pull punches on saying like here's you know here's what hillary's known for she doesn't she comes to the table and fights for what she can when it suits her and she'll disappear when it doesn't so you know you can definitely be critical of it but i think it did a good job of saying like let's make sure we're being critical of the right thing if we're going to be critical about it, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. But anyway, I kind of walked away feeling calm. I walked away listening to both. Of, and then the Radio Lab one was just about how every vote does count and it was sort of a very sweet kind of yeah. idea. And and I did walk away feeling like, okay, listen, we're going to be okay. Look, maybe this is democracy working the way it's supposed to because it's it gets to be broken in this way and it gets to be put back together and we get to have these conversations and maybe that's the epitome of democracy is that it's a fucking mess. Right. Instead of we don't get to be scared about what's happening to the Republican Party and we don't get to wonder how we ended up with, you know, people we feel maybe criminals running and all those kinds of things. Like, Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'll i be relieved once it's over, but 
I because I don't I mean well, maybe I won't be relieved I don't know but I think it's and like a, what is over me exactly, you know what I mean exactly. we'll be we'll be relieved I, I guess when we don't have to listen to campaign speeches and and slurs as much but but right I mean will it even be over you're right you're totally right but I don't know I think there's such like a stick we are in I feel fortunate to be around a lot of like-minded people who are very open and liberal and have the same views as I do. And, you know, there are people back East and I have family members who do not agree with me. But I I think it's so interesting that they just don't want to um, talk about it. I, I like, you know, I'll ask someone, they'll be like, you know, my dad's voting for Trump. And I'm like, why? Or my dad, you know, my or my mom's voting for Hillary. Like, I think it's so important to have those conversations rather than be like, well, I don't want to talk about it. Like, they're voting for that person. Like, blah blah blah. I'm like, have the conversation because I feel like there's so many people who are just doing it because, well, that's what I'm supposed to do instead of like really breaking it down. I mean, I guess it's a little too late to have this like soapbox moment for myself. But (laughs) um, well, I was just curious. I mean, again, this is I'm just. I think it would be. I just that's what's something that's what's going on. It's like yeah. it's a big it's a big deal, and so I haven't really talked about it that much, but it does creep in because it is something that everyone's kind of bombarded with all day. And yeah, but I do think like I, I I'm just I'm in I'm interested to listen to that podcast because it's like I'd, I'd like to when we were in Georgia, I would talk to the you know the officers there, or I would talk to you know some of the people working on our crew, and they have very strong views that were different than mine, and it was just like oh, okay. But they weren't horrible people. Mm-mm, right, absolutely. They were some of the kindest people I've ever met. Yeah. So it's like they're not monsters. It's just they the, the way that we think one way is the way that they think another way and are so in, you know, in their ways about it. So, But I think it's important to have those conversations. I mean, we... <laughs> We definitely had some people on the crew who would like ruffle feathers for some of these people and would just like ask questions just to be assholes. But yeah. um, I don't know. Well, well, I think it's yeah. we're a country made up of different opinions Absolutely. and ideals, and that's a good thing. I strongly encourage people, and you particularly, based on what you just said and our experience in Georgia, to listen to um, the This American Life. Uh, it's called Will I Know Anyone at This Party? And that is one of it's got a great Zoe Chase. Um, article article great zoe chase piece in it segment segment um feature uh (laughs) that is about this um these this and and donald trump was just there talking about it guys for those of you who aren't do not tune in for political reasons just know that i'm talking about purely the emotion of politics so at least you're still getting like par for the course for me (laughs) but the because that is what makes it fascinating to me and like hurts my feelings on both sides and sort of confuses and scares me and also inspires me and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, this community of people in, um, I think it's the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. God help me if I'm wrong, but listen to it and then you'll know and you can listen to the authority on the subject, which is Joy Chase. But, um, but she, it's this group of people that are, you know, live in this community and there's a tremendous influx of um, Somalian immigrants, legal immigrants coming mm-hmm. in, but it's completely to their minds, completely changed the, the, the context of their community. And it's, they feel that they feel that, you know, these, these people who've been here long enough feel that they're not integrating fast enough. And they feel like maybe there should be some kind of moratorium on letting Somalians into that 
community and you know the state i think it was the state representative but certainly a, a person in a position of authority was like at a town meeting and was like it sounds to me like you're saying you want to have control over who gets to come here legally and i'm telling you right now you don't that that is the reason the reason you are here is that our country welcomes people in that is the reason you are here and he really got very defensive about it and i was pretty impressed with just how you know but then behind the scenes and then i'll stop talking about this he was like there is there are people in this community that i've known for many years who are the kindest mm-hmm. most warm and they don't see it as racist and they don't see it as nationalist all they see it as is hey, I'm just a citizen trying to do my thing and now I feel like I'm not safe in, on some level or I'm not. And so I really, and I wanted, I was, I felt so angry because I was like, embrace these wonderful people that are coming in and trying to adapt to our country. But then I thought, and I don't feel good about this, but then I thought, well, what if my entire neighborhood was overrun with white supremacists? How would I feel? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Somalians are white supremacists. I'm just saying someone different from me who makes me a little nervous Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're right to be made nervous, but I, that's the only thing I could think of that was like, if it was just like, you know, a situation where all of a sudden I was surrounded by people who were so different from me culturally and I felt that energy, just like you were saying, well, how would I feel? What would I do? Would I want to, would I want to say, hey, this isn't okay. I've worked hard to, to live here and have this life and feel, you know, included and, and want to be inclusive. And now I just have to leave. Is that what I, that's my choice? I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, it, that's so my husband and I just recently moved from Boyle Heights, <clears throat> which is right outside the Arts District of downtown um, Los Angeles for anybody who's wondering what that is. Um, <laughs> And we had to move out of the Arts District, which is a really hip and groovy, um, very cool place uh, that we were bummed that we were moving out of because it was so cool that we could walk to all these restaurants and all these different artists and creative types were around us. But our building got bought for a ridiculous amount of money and a chef-driven restaurant was being put in. So we were pushed out and my theater company was pushed out and we were pushed out. And so we didn't want to be too far away from the Arts District. We're like, Boyle Heights is the next up and coming place. We found a really cool place over there, um, but it it's, it was just enough of up and coming that we felt so out of place there. Two white people moving into Boyle Heights and walking down the streets. I did not get smiles. They were very angry, and it's very volatile over there. Um, they don't want, you know, the gentrification to happen. Yeah. And it's like, Which is <laughs> it's understandable. Like, I just got pushed out. Like, know. you know, and it's like, I, I, I'm not trying to change your neighborhood. I just, I want to be a part of it and yeah. I want to experience it. And like, I'd love to be your neighbor. And like, I'm giving you a smile because I'm like, we're just walking down the street together. I, I don't think I'm better than you. I don't think that you're better than like, it, it, but the, like just hate towards, us that I felt I was just like I didn't feel comfortable yeah I I couldn't walk my dog at night and that's and so I was the fish out of water there you know what I mean and it's like they didn't want me there they didn't want my husband there and I got dirty looks from mothers with babies in carriages and our door was tagged all the time and you know art galleries down there are the protests out in front of them all the time and i i mean i get it you've been in this neighborhood forever and you don't want it to change and at you've all. seen by now you've like, seen enough to yeah. know you know and that's what yeah brandon was writing a piece about 
the you know certainly in San Francisco it's the same thing it's mm-hmm. this idea of like just that whole process of like first come the artists and maybe it used to be that you would be welcomed in and I'm sure in still some communities that still exist this is one isolated experience that you know you had but at the same time there's reason for there's reason for that because there yeah. is a sense of like maybe it was okay for a while for the artists but then everyone saw what happened yeah. after they the the sort of mavens the artists came and then this happens and then this happens and you yeah. sort of see it as this thing that can't be stopped and then you lose your home yeah and I total and that's so valid and and obviously it happened to me and yeah. then I went into it and you know but at the same time there's and I'm sure this is really easy for someone like me to just like put out there so I'm, I don't want to offend anyone but like change is always going to happen I know, <laughs> like, I know you know what I it's mean hard. like and so it's like you just kind of have to embrace it and like at least for me that's what I I hate change as a person like it makes yeah. me very anxious I get very depressed or like I hate moving I hate I hate all of that but as soon as I like sort of just like break it down and like Deborah people move all the time right someone lived here before you and before that there was a whole you you know it's just like and the same thing in you know my parents community in the summer community it's like the someone comes in and buys the house next door and knocks it down and makes it an even bigger house and everybody is up in arms and it's like but you added on to your house yeah like, you i know, know back in the day i know you guys were the ones that like, i agree did it. it's just like it's like, i, I agree that like i agree i agree with that and i think that the key and then if you really have to leave right now i will have to we'll have to pick this mash game up somehow in some other way or i can just like knock it out if you do you have to be where you have to be right at seven mm. or can you be there like five minutes later and it can be there five minutes okay. later. Okay, so I'm going to get right into that. It's then, down the street, so it's yeah, okay. it's like one minute away. But um, but what I was just going to say is like I would like to live in an America where I feel everyone can afford the luxury of accepting change and embracing it. And I just think we're not there yet. No, and I think we're that's not. what we what we, you and I sort of want is like I want everyone to feel. I also have a lot of anxiety about change, but I am in a position where I can sort of figuratively and literally afford to deal with that anxiety mm-hmm. and 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 for some families in some communities that's not an option no, yet and not. so it'd be great to sort of feel like there's more of a progression towards like i'm okay you're okay sort of thing totally which is very hippy dippy um totally uh, hippy dippy but listen <laughs> but, like we what, love it you you and i love each other we bring it's that out dream. in each other so it's a dream it's a dream <laughs> and we're gonna hold on to it um okay so for my first mash question um you know what this is very unconventional i never start with this one maybe very rarely i have but uh let me get my guilt over um uh, adoring your husband just right out of the way i'm gonna rip off the band-aid first one out <laughs> first one out alternate universe partner sexy times relationship marriage one night stand three people they can be celebrities they can be characters from books or movies any time any age young jimmy stewart anybody three okay um um any time any age oh goodness i know um can i say jessica rabbit yes um because I'm fluid. I don't think that you, yeah. I mean, listen, I don't think you'd be the first. And I had some, I, I definitely was um, like, I'm so, I don't know how to feel about this. Oh my God. Boy, oh boy, does she make me feel things. Yeah. Um, um, who else? Uh, um, oh, Shia LaBeouf. I, okay. I know okay. it's such a weird one, but <laughs> I, I, I just I really adore him. your honesty. I, I really, adore him really, in so really many weird ways. Your honesty. Um, makes me happy. Uh, 
for a really long time it was James Franco, but I just don't think it will ever work for us. Um, and um, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, I'm trying to think of like that that one Han Solo. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for exercising your improv muscle because I know that these are impossible to come with uh, up with off the cuff. Um, okay, next one is you can go into, God knows I've talked about it uh, enough on this podcast, jump into a uh, movie, three, just get in there, hang out with the characters. You're not like re- reliving the plot, just three worlds that you can kind of go into whenever you want. Okay, Gigi. Um, because, oh, goodness, love that movie. Um, bed knobs and broomsticks. Wonderful. Um, ugh, but maybe Mary Poppins. I guess they're kind of the same worlds, aren't they? Um, Similar. Um, and, oh, um, what's another world that I would like to be in? Oh, I don't know. Um, God, there's just so many that go through my head. I know. Oh, oh, um, it's a real painful process. Harumph. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Um, oh, God, it even got a harumph. That's rough. It is rough. Oh, the Princess Bride. Great. You're not going to regret that. Listen. Okay, I. I uh, it's a great one. I know. I know. You'll think of a million. Um, if again, I've said this before, but like if someone turned it right back on me just now, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm trying to go like, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm you need to go fast. Power. You need to go fast. You yeah, need to not like, wait, think about it's this. Also because you have to go. So that really adds a lot of pressure to you. I apologize. Uh, three foods that in this world, uh, are maybe not great for you to have in abundance, um, for one reason or another, but in our alternate universe, not only are they delicious, uh, but they are also good for you and will give you no physical ramifications of any kind. Great. I would like to have some double stuffed Oreos, please. This is going to be a real easy one for me because I'm always a chubby kid. Don't worry. Um, I didn't include that nasty second F that does not curse the double stuff (laughs) name. (laughs) Double stuff with one F. Um, uh, ice cream. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I sort of thought if she doesn't say ice cream, never get enough ice cream. Um, and, um, let's go with, popovers oh wonderful uh, they are wonderful <laughs> <laughs> okay next one is uh let's do vacation homes uh real places but it's not uh, an issue getting there you get there you can get there very quickly great um i would um oh boy uh greece great. like Lin- a grecian island please wonderful. um um no trouble getting there huh yeah, that's right. Great. Well, super. Maybe like uh, Tahiti. Great. And mm, I guess I'm picking like really beachy places. So let's mm, let's throw are. let's throw something else in there that's not so beachy. Great. Maybe let's maybe like um, Sweden. Great. Oh, listen, good choice. They got they got some good stuff going on over there. <laughs> Uh, okay, next one is, um, let's do, you know what, let's do superpowers. Okay, I'd really like to be invisible. Great. I'd really like to fly, and I'd really like to read people's minds. I've thought about this many times. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Not because of your podcast, but wonderful. just like sitting by myself. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. I'm scared of reading minds. 
Um, uh, okay. Can I change that one to time yeah. travel? Yes. Thank yes, you. Yes. I just feel like, I mean, I know you could do it electively, but yeah, I'm afraid I would read someone's mind at the wrong time. And it would be something they were just like getting off their chest in their mind. And then they would never have wanted anyone to know that that's what they were thinking. But if you could read people's minds, you know when. To oh, you would, you would know. know the intention you would behind know. it. That's an interesting know. point. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, okay. Next one is, uh, let's do um, mythical pet. So something, and it doesn't have to be like a dragging. It can just be like and like animals that it does not. It's not practical for you to have for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can be like Falcor, the luck dragon. Yeah, that's so weird that that was like the first one that popped into my mind. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so does a Pillsbury Doughboy count? <laughs> because <laughs> I hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Uh, hundred percent also uh the snuggle teddy bear um these are real christmas wish lists that i made um and i was very disappointed i did not get them oh um and (laughs) and (laughs) wonderful i wish i had one more i could immediately think of that's like um so both of those and then um oh I think oh. mm. maybe mm. Lassie. Great. She's a classic. <laughs> She's a classic. Guys. I love, I love a Lassie. Classic. Um, okay, let's do. No, Mr. Ed. I, I okay. want him more than oh, Lassie. Oh, gotta get the talking horse. Um, okay, then also uh, three, um, this is not superhero stuff. This is just like very basic skill kind of stuff. But it could still be like martial arts. But like three things that you wake up that you've downloaded um, Matrix style the next morning. Like tomorrow you get up and you're like, oh my God, I'm suddenly amazing at blank, blank, and blank. Mm-hmm. Um, a gymnastics. Great. I still can't do a cartwheel and that bothers me. No, if I could it's either. Okay. I it's think okay. I'd be like, I'm so dizzy. Um... Uh, hmm. Maybe like um. I don't know. I, I, I when I watch the Olympics, man, I wish I was good, proficient at at some of those things. You know what? I'd really like to be great at an instrument. Maybe oh, like great, you great. know, like the fiddle. Great. Oh, me too. Um and. Um, I'd like to be like fluent in like six languages. Right. I just put fluent in six. Like yep. I wouldn't. I mean, I guess I do know what it is. I wrote it. Um. Okay. Final category. Let's do. Now I'm putting too much pressure on myself. And we got to get you out of here. Let's do uh, three. This is different. Three places that it would be fun to shoot something is different than very different than vacation. Okay. Um. And you could put it into the context of like, oh, I want to like I'm shooting like a, a you know a, a bodice ripper in on a, in Scotland in a castle. You know what I mean? Like you can sort of oh, give yeah. it a genre, give it like a flavor too. I think doing like um. I mean, 
Man, that's I mean, that's where I was going. I was like, I was like I've, London. I want to do like like a period piece in London. Great, great. Um, let me put that down. Ugh, the Crown. Let me tell you, people. If oh, you I haven't, haven't watched it. it yet on Netflix. Oh, I just started. Wonderful. John Lithgow. You are a magical. I human. just started watching Versailles, so we're not. We're sort of in similar. I love period mind. stuff. Yeah. Ugh, too damn bad. I couldn't be on Downton Abbey anymore. I know. Um, where else? I think maybe. Um, I don't know. People seem to have a really great time shooting in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, What's not to love? Yeah, they all just really dig it. And um, what kind of uh, sh- what kind of show or movie would it be? Action. Great. Great. <laughs> great. <laughs> like out on that cruise yeah. speedboat. That's right. Like- That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um and um, I think shooting in like. A place like, like Turkey, or mm-hmm. or you know, you, just some ancient sort mm-hmm. of ruin, ancient ruins, ruins, city sort of. And what kind of you, movie is that? You know, I mean, I wouldn't say no to being in something like um, Game of Thrones. Oh, sure, the situation. But, I'll, put, but like, I'll put fantasy it, sort of uh, adventure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Like really the Mummy. Here. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Very different than Game Everyone's of Thrones. Dream but movie. Like- <laughs> um, okay, here, I'm going to get you out of here, so tell me when to stop. I'm going to start now. Stop. Okay. Pause this. Do the fastest math in all of time. Also, it's not math, and I'll I be back I, with your 100% I I- guaranteed MASH future. Okay, I'm going to reveal your MASH future. Um, it really is dark and sexy in here, so I hope I can read everything that I just circled. But I look beautiful, so it's you fine. You <laughs> look absolutely radiant, as you would if it were very bright in here indeed. Okay, number one, I want to congratulate. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this, and I'm real excited about it. Okay. Uh, I want to congratulate you, first of all, on your beautiful house in Sweden. Great. Well good. played. Uh, but not only uh, have you do you get to enjoy this wonderful house in Sweden, you also can jump into the Princess Bride world, yes. which is magic. That's magic. It's so magic, uh, and it's wonderful with so many lovable characters. Um, you can also uh, you also uh, are shooting a, an amazing sort of fantasy adventure, the Mummy esque <laughs> movie in uh, in some place like Turkey or maybe like Bulgaria, some place yes. like steeped in in, in history, Istanbul. Um, uh, very transformative sort of like oh wow where am i um so that's wonderful you also uh can time travel so not bad so now you can just sort of that's like it. wishing for all the wishes you yeah. can sort of get all over the place and go anywhere um you can all of this stuff all of this wild adventure uh is definitely going to leave you hungry i want you to know that you can have unlimited popovers <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> Un- <They're> so good <laughs> limited popovers and you are and and also all of this traveling is going to be very helpful um, because you are fluent in six languages. Oh, good. So that's going to come in very handy. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's a good thing you still speak English, though, because that's what Mr. Ed speaks. (laughs) 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 And he's your wonderful companion. Oh, my goodness. Um, And as if that weren't enough, you also have a companion with the sexiest, most hourglass figure that has ever existed. I'm talking about a woman who works purple eyeshadow in a red dress in a way I've never seen before or since with beautiful, beautiful, cascading red hair. Mm -hmm. It's Jessica Rabbit. Yes. Sorry, Roger. I will be (laughs) so excited. (laughs) You're going to be so oversexed. (laughs) Oh, am I ever? (laughs) Oh, am I ever? At first when you were like, and your companion's going to be Mr. Ed, and I was like, did I pick him? (laughs) 
as my I sex partner? I asked myself to make him my husband. But that was odd, Deborah. <laughs> you really jumped the gun. Should have thought about it a Don't little worry. bit longer. You got the I hot got cartoon Jessica goddess. Um, yes, please. Deborah Baker Jr., I adore you. Oh, I adore I you. And so I, I hope that you do have me back where you don't. Why we don't have to feel rushed. Or I will. Listen, I could dig even deeper into uh, about a thousand different things. We um, really could. But we still got in a good... Just, we got in an over an hour, so I think we did very well. And uh, we'll get you out to the UCB where you frequently can be seen. Um, you are on Twitter at Deborah Baker Jr., which is also where you are now on Instagram since mm-hmm. your name has recently become that on Instagram. Uh, you are on Stand Against Evil with me. We yes, I am. have a wonderful time with yeah. the rest of the gang. And um, uh, I'll talk to you guys next time on the podcast. Yes, yeah. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.